0: Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today, I have an extremely special guest, Dr. J.P. Moreland, who is the Distinguished Professor of Philosophy at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. He's one of the most influential living philosophers in the world. Wow, that's, that's amazing. I was a student of his when I was in seminary at Biola, and I took his apologetics class, was, which was one of my favorite classes in seminary. And today we're going to talk about his new book, A Simple Guide to Experience Miracles, Instruction and Inspiration for Living Supernaturally in Christ.
1: Welcome, J.P. Moreland. Well, Beckett, I could not be happier to be with you. I I just love you to death, and you were such a good student. You still owe me a paper, you dog, so turn that thing in, will you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> By the way,
0: JP decided to dress up for Halloween early. That's why he's wearing that mask, but, uh, he's, you know, doing kind of a phantom of the opera situation. That's right. I'm
1: scaring my grandchildren is what I'm really
0: doing. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so show us a copy. Do you have a copy of the book? I do. Yes. So to? that's the book. Uh, I read it and it's so encouraging. If you're a Christian, you have to read this book or even if you're not a Christian, it's so encouraging after I finished reading it, it was kind of one of those moments where you're like, wow, like this life, it kind of takes you out of the, the trauma of what's going on in the world right that now. Exactly and you're like,
1: right. Exactly. Yeah. Right.
0: yeah. And I was like, oh, I feel great now. It's, it makes you feel great. So <clears throat> let's start by asking, because you mentioned this in the introduction, why this book now? Why did you? Because you've written hundred. You've written many, many, many books. I don't know how many, like a hundred or something.
1: Yeah, I, I, I never go to the restroom, so I just <laughs> spend all my time writing. But uh, well, well, Beckett, I I have become aware over the last several years of a worldwide outbreak of supernatural, miraculous events, and I've even seen a lot of them myself. But people in our culture don't know about that, by and large. And so as a result, they don't really have much expectation uh, that these things still go on very often. And there are reasons for that. But uh, I want people to have a more exciting, a more hopeful, uh, a more... uh, expectant Christian life where they actually see more of the overt manifestation of God's activity around them. And so I tried to bring my training as a philosopher uh, in a simple way to kind of clear up some confusions about this area. And then I went into five different kinds of supernatural events and offered teaching and then vetted very, very carefully, authentic stories of these things happening to people I know, to me, to people I've uh, called and interviewed. So I would stake my career on the authenticity of these accounts. And I tell you, it's going to be very hard to read this book and not walk away with realizing the biblical God is real. This This is no fantasy. It's not something we hope for. God is real. He doesn't answer all my prayers, and sometimes I get bugged in him for that. But I've seen enough to know there's somebody on the other line, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Yes. And so before we get into the amazing miracles, let's, what, let's define what is a miracle.
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, a miracle is a special activity of God whereby he intervenes into the natural world, for some specific purpose and the 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 intervention is what i'm looking at it's when god acts in a special way and in the in the miraculous are uh that i listers answers to prayer specific answers to prayer healings uh god supernaturally speaking to us outside the bible in six different ways uh real, angelic, and demonic activity that you can know is real. And then finally, uh, the the, re, the actual reality of near-death experiences. These are all supernatural events that are widely happening all over the world. So that's what I want people to know about.
0: Okay. And so before we get into the kind of details and the, the really fascinating stories, I just want to look a little bit at, quickly at church history. So you mentioned in your book uh about the early church fathers and Augustine, what were their views on the
1: miraculous? well, they saw the miraculous all the, all the time and and so up until and, and just shortly after augustine um it was commonplace to to see healings to see real demonic deliverances in fact there are tertullian a church father in the 200s on two different occasions wrote a letter to the local uh, roman official who was governing that area and starting to persecute christians and he says look why are you persecuting us after all you know yourself that we're healing your sick that we're the ones that are casting demons out of them and returning them to sanity. Um, Who would do that? If you got rid of us, you know, well, you don't argue with somebody who's threatening to to exterminate you and appeal to something that you made up. (laughs) That's not going to do too well. Augustine himself recorded up 75 to 80 carefully documented miracles in his parish that had happened in a span of a few years. And he saw one of them with his own eyes. And so these things happened uh, quite regularly and they're in the historical record.
0: And then what happened with uh, kind of, cause these kind of miracles, miracles kind of went dark for a thousand years. Why, they, why uh, was that?
1: I think the reason started with uh the Roman Emperor Constantine becoming a Christian. And at that point, the church began to rely upon the state and its power to spread Christianity instead of relying upon uh, the supernatural presence of the Lord Jesus, unfortunately. And so the church began to devalue uh, miracles and actually lost some of its power because it compromised with the state. But But Christianity still needed to try to show that it was different in, than other religions, and the way to show that uh, was no longer in with the presence of signs and wonders or just the figure of Jesus, but it involved the fact that the church was able to produce saints and holy people greater than alternative faiths could do. So they would say, look at what we produce in people. We produce uh, moral and spiritual heroes and saints. But the the problem is the way to become that kind of person is to suffer. So so the church was able to showcase what it did because it valued suffering as the Mm -hmm. means to holiness, and healing actually became uh, immoral, and it became uh, uh, the wrong thing to do, believe it or not. And that idea just, boy, it squashed it until, you know, there were times when it would break out a little bit, but then later on, it it really has come back.
0: And then what was it? Cause you mentioned this in your book too, that why, what was John Calvin's why was his reaction to the Roman Catholic church Kind of a cessationist view as as well. Yes. Why did why did he decide to make it? Uh, you know, miracles don't happen today. Tongues don't happen today. All
1: right. that. Well, what they they associated all that with Catholicism, and uh, they wanted to distance themselves entirely from Catholicism, and so they threw the baby out with the bathwater. And since the church claimed. That, that it had been able to engender miracles in, in the past. And, and, and they, there was the use of relics as well, uh, which is a little bit problematic, but still God can do what he wants to do. But, but Calvin and the Reformers wanted to say, look, that's no, uh, it's not in the Bible. Well, it is, but uh, we're rejecting it. So I think it was throwing the baby of healing out with the bathwater of Catholicism.
0: Yeah. And so let's get into some of the stories in your book of healings. Uh, I mean, there's so many and they're so, so amazing. Let, wh-
1: what's one of your favorites? Let's start. Oh, with that. oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quickly, though, in the book, I explain how to tell the difference between a real miracle and just a coincidence. And I don't particularly care to go into that. If unless you really want me to, but it would take time. But I want people to know that you don't have to, if something happens, like an answer to prayer, and you say, well, I wonder if that was just a coincidence, there are ways to tell whether it was or not. And I lay that out in the book. I also explain 14 reasons that are all biblical as to why people don't get healed. Um, And uh, eight reasons as to how you can grow in your expectation in this area, practical ways to become more uh faith expectant in these things. So given that my uh, a real favorite one of mine I mean I've got so many but um uh, uh, years ago there was a Jewish woman that discovered she had uh cancer all over her body stage 4 and uh she went through all kinds of treatment and chemo radiation the whole nine yards and and she was dying. She had she had fifty one points of cancer throughout her body when they did uh, an MRI to see what was going on. And so she was committed by her doctors to hospice care because uh, to, to just let her help her to the dying process because they had no hope for her to live. And a a Christian of her, friend of hers, this Jewish woman said, look, I know there's a church called the Vineyard near here, and they pray for the sick. What do you got to lose? And so she said, well, I I think I'll do it. So she came to the church, and and this happened, um, I don't remember, it's in the book, her name was Mame Sawyer, and it happened something like, oh, 12 years ago. Uh, And the first night on Monday night, a group of, People prayed over her and nothing happened, but she felt so loved and, and blessed that she decided to come back. Well, the second Monday night, which is when the prayer room opened, that nothing happened, and so, but she still came back a third time. On the third night, Beckett, she, by her own testimony, felt this just warm, hot oil flow through her body, and she felt all kinds of things happening in her body. And she looked at that prayer team, and I interviewed three of the people on that team independently to, to make sure that their stories were consistent. She said, I think I'm healed. She got on the phone the next morning and called her oncologist and said, This is a funny request. I'll pay for this out of my own pocket, but I've got to have another MRI because I think I don't think I have cancer anymore. Well, the Okay, (laughs) she went in and they did an MRI of her with that week wasn't like two or three days. And I'll tell you, there was not the doctor said this. There's not evidence that you ever had cancer, much less that it's here. And she he showed her the plates before and after and her body was riddled with cancer. But two or three days after the prayer meeting, nothing So about five years ago, I was going to be on a PBS special on miracles. And they were interviewing atheists and believers all over North America and Europe for this show. And so they were going to include me in this. So I wanted to use that miracle as an example, but I had to vet it more than just asking these three people there. So I got her email. And I emailed her and said, is is this what happened? Well, she emailed me back. I have it in a folder right here in my office. And she said, not only did everything you say happen to me, but I became a follower of Jesus after I found out I was healed immediately. And I have continued for the last 11 years or however long it's been to walk with Jesus, and I go to a Messianic church, and the cancer has never come back, and that's from her own email account. I don't know what you do with that, but that's (laughs) pretty bizarre if you ask me. That's amazing. Well, that's a miracle. It is a miracle. It's a miracle, and what about uh,
0: the guy, you you talk about this in your book, God the Dentist, the guy whose teeth were healed? Talk, tell us that story because that's pretty. That's pretty amazing too.
1: I know some of these they they get out there. <clears throat> I know that, but um, one of my one of my close former students that I got to know very very well. Um, there was a there was a businessman that that went to his church that he knew, and this businessman was having all kinds of problems with a tooth, uh, and it wasn't. It was really hard to fix it. Uh, unless they pulled it, and he he didn't want to do that and, and, to, and have an implant if he could avoid it. Well, to make a long story short, he and others began to pray that God would heal this tooth, and people may not believe this, but I've got the guy's email, and I've got my friend's email that both testified, and I could probably call the pastor if I wanted to, the dentist looked in his mouth when he went back for further treatment and the whole thing was completely well. There was no decay in it. It was restored like a new tooth. And there was no work that needed to be done because it was back to normal. And you know, that kind of tooth decay doesn't reverse itself. And yeah. it was a clear answer to prayer. It was a obvious healing. And all of his friends freaked and they began to cry and 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 worship the lord because it was so unbelievable
0: yeah and then just one last example there'd I mean, be there's so many in the book but the you talk about uh tom doyle uh, who was a missionary in the middle east talk about that story with uh i think her name was dina who yeah. was a, a muslim
1: this thing is literally <laughs> something that just makes you want to worship um Just to make a long story short on this, I not only read about this, but I interviewed Tom Doyle and I interviewed a gentleman uh, named Hormoz who uh, got his PhD. He was from Lebanon, a Muslim, escaped with his parents to the States, uh, became a Christian here, got a PhD in engineering at USC and for many, many, many years, he has had a major broadcast into the Muslim world, live television, having callers bring in q and A, and his show is, has been seen by up to eighty million people. Uh, this guy is having a massive impact because he was a Muslim, and now he's a credential you know they they value credentials over there. so there was a young lady named Dina and she was in the, the 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 holiness police which which meant that that in iran she was she was selected to go with other people in a truck around the city to see if women's hair was out of their burqa or if there were if they were not fully covered up to their eyes and if they weren't they would throw them into the back of this uh, truck and they would beat the life out of these people and uh, uh, not didn't kill them, but would beat them yeah so that they would conform to strict Sharia law and there was one prison that had been developed that was was a cesspool and 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 they would they would take Christian Christian men, they found and hang them on spikes and just watch them die. And she went in there and she would see. And she, by her own testimony, she was thrilled that these men were being tortured and killed because Allah was receiving glory and his enemies were being punished. She had a mother that was was dying and sick. She was bedridden and she was uh, dying of some some kind of malady she had but she called in her moses program and commented almost every week and she would call in and hermos verify this and say hey this jesus stuff is all a bunch of make believe there is no jesus the the christian god does not exist and what you are teaching people is going to cause Allah to send you straight to hell because you're spreading lies. And he would dialogue with her, but he allowed her to keep coming on the show. Well, one day she came on. This all videotaped. So, and and she had become disillusioned with some of the hypocrisy of the Imams. So she gets on live TV and she says, I am, I am sick and tired of your false religion, and, and the hypocrisy in my faith, and I'm going to kill myself right here on the air after I kill my mother. She had a pistol, and, and she was going to commit double suicide on television as a protest against Christianity and hypocrisy in Islam. Where Hermos said, and he told me, he said, you know, I said, well, I told her, I said, wait, wait, if if, would you would you be willing to 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 wait a week, and try something every day, very simple, and if it doesn't work, if you call in a week from today, I will, I will video, I will let you do this on live television, and I won't turn the cameras off. Well, she said, what is it? And he said, I want you every day to pray to Jesus. So wait a minute, there is no Jesus. How's that going to help? Uh, he said, well, just, just hear me out, pray to Jesus and say to him, if you're there, would you do something to, to, to rescue us and to, and to let us know you're there? I, he said, what have you got to lose? And so she said, okay, I'm gonna, I'll do this. But when nothing happens, I'm going to kill myself and my mother on your show. Well, about into the, about the third or fourth day, Beckett, she's in the kitchen, uh, uh, working at the kitchen table, and she hears a noise in the house. Now she does. She thought it was. She got a gun, and because she, she thought it was a prowler. Her mom had was bedridden, but before she could get into the hallway, her mother walks into the kitchen, and she says, "Mom, what are you doing?" get back in bed. You, you, you shouldn't, you're not, you're going to fall over and break a bone. And her mom said, Dina, you don't understand. I have been completely healed. And she said, what? She said, look at me walk. I, 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 my muscles are restored. I, I feel completely well. And, and she said, what, what imam did you pray to? And she said, well, I did pray but it wasn't to an imam, it was to Jesus, and uh, last night, he came into my room, and came up to my bedside, and I saw him in there, and he said, I am going to heal your your sickness in just a minute, but I want you to go tell your daughter what I have done for you, and that she needs to turn and start following me As her Lord. And so he heals her, and Dina converts to Christianity. Well, that next Monday on the show, Hermos told me personally, he sees her name. And so he thought, oh gosh, what's this going to be? Well, she comes on, she's vibrant, she and her mom they both became Christians. She got married. She has planted somewhere around 150 underground churches all throughout the Middle East. Her life is at risk all the time. She doesn't care. And, and Tom Doyle went to a conference, an underground conference a few years later in the Middle East for Christians that were planting churches. And Hermos was over at that conference and he he met hermos because he knows him and said and hermos said "You want to meet Dina and her mom and doyle said, "You're kidding me and he's another oh, sitting right over there so he goes he meets them and he has lunch with them, and they're just doing so well. this is all videotaped and uh it, it's it's just beyond it's just unbelievable God is alive. I'll tell you that
0: yeah and you talk about in the book you you give practical ways of of how one, I mean, just like in your case, how would you go about praying for someone in terms of healing? What do you do?
1: Very good question. And and uh, I'm assuming now that this person is with me, like say uh, in the church after the service or they're in my home or what have you. And I would try to get one or two or three other people if they're willing to, to join me. And the first thing I would do would be to say, Let's, let's be quiet right now, and I'm going to invite the Lord's presence to come to us and give him a chance to speak if he wants to. But all you have to do is relax and receive and don't try to make anything happen. So, Lord Jesus, we now invite you to, to make your presence known. And if you have something you'd like to say to our sister, we're, we're just listening. And if someone gets a word of knowledge, we give it. And then after that, I say, "Would you mind if we laid hands on you in in a, you know appropriate places, and uh, and soaked you in prayer for a while?" No, please, please do. So then we would lay hands perhaps on her forehead or his forehead, shoulder or something of that sort, and we would begin to speak to the illness and and command it to leave. And if I might say. Uh, brain, uh, brain chemistry, you are, you are dist- destroyed, and you are overwhelmed, and you are causing my sister to have anxiety. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to be restored and to return to normal, and I command the uh, cortisol to leave in Jesus' name. Then we stop and we say, are you feeling anything? And if the person says, well, not really, then we may we try again and we'll do it again. And if nothing happens, then our purpose is, we never promise somebody you'll get well, but we do promise to love them and to bless them. And if we send them away with that, we've done something at least. But, but a lot of times what a person will say will be, I've had people who were completely healed. I've had people who felt that, they were 40 or 50 percent healed, like Jesus healing the man uh, who saw trees walk, men like trees walking. He had, he had The first time he asked him, it was only partially healed, and he had to pray again for full. Well, I might have to do that four weeks in a row, but the point is that uh, after you've prayed for the person, then you give them instructions as to what they might do, like Medic, we believe in medicine as well as healing, and so it's a both and, or if we had a sense from the Lord that there was a spiritual problem that was causing this, and there was deep down she didn't want to be healed uh, because she liked being a victim, we would just say, a, you might want to think about that. We wouldn't say anything harshly, but that that's how we would do it, and we invite them back the next week if they need it.
0: Yeah. That's that's a that's good advice and good a good way to do it and the, and I love that you say that give that caveat of you know th- this isn't guaranteed just so, because otherwise you set people up for failure and set up set up people to walk away from the faith if they're not healed absolutely,
1: so absolutely. God doesn't always
0: necessarily no.
1: heal not at all
0: so uh, and and you know he ha- he may have different purposes and different timing. But uh we obviously can pray for healing and we should. So I just wanna you talk about, I wanna close on on one one final story. You talk about, I mean, in the book you mentioned this. You talk about hearing from God, you talk about near death experiences, yes. you talk about uh angels and demons. Angels and demons. And speaking of angels, let tell because you told this story when I was in your class in 2017 about your guard your guardian angels tell us that story
1: well uh, in about 2005 i guess it was i was speaking at a church in seattle uh on a friday night and afterwards a lady comes up to me and says thank you for your talk but i want you to know that for the 50 minutes you spoke i saw three angels appear and they stood guard around you the entire time there was a tall one behind you and two shorter ones on either side well i thought she was crazy and I had no inclination to believe her whatsoever. But I thanked her and thanked the Lord she got away from me. Okay. Uh, so that was in about May. Fast forward to September, right after school had been going for about two weeks, I was going through a really hard time. And Beckett, I had never prayed in 35 years as a Christian for, for the, God to send angels to protect me. I'd always just asked for his help. But I, be, I did that. I said, Lord, I don't know if those three angels were real or not, but if they were real and if they're either here or not, would you send them to care for me and let me know they're here? And so I specifically prayed that and went to sleep. About, I'm going to say, eight days later, I get an email from a student in one of my graduate philosophy classes named Mark Stepp. He's a pastor now, great brother. He th- and I've got the email. He said, JP, I've, I've been wanting to tell you this for three or four days, but I've been embarrassed because I thought you'd think I was a kook. So, but a bunch of the other students said I should tell you. So the other day in class, I was sitting over next to the window, and for about 15 to 20 minutes, I saw three angelic beings appear right around you and they were robed. I did not see faces, and there was a taller one behind you and two short ones on either side, and if you want to talk further, I'd be glad to. Well, I called him and said, get your rear end over here, and uh, and so he had actually drawn a picture of it. I have it in my file, and he he, there was no doubt in his mind That they were in the room, they weren't in his head. He wasn't. I said, Do you see these things regularly? Thinking maybe he's a little loopy. And he said, First time in my life I've ever seen anything like this. And he went so wild, rubbing his eyes at first, that the student that was behind him, Ed Bort, heard me share the story a few years later. And he said, I was there. I didn't know he was seeing an angel, but I remember the day that he was going nuts, rubbing his eyes, and I almost left class with him to take him into the men's room to wash his eyes out. (laughs) So that was number two. Um, There's another one I'm going to skip for time, but then about three or four years later, I've got the email: a a, a lawyer contacted me, not a student who was going through anxiety, and I have had that problem myself. And he said, could I come to your office and just talk? So I said, of course you can. And he did. So we talked about his anxiety. And I asked him at the end if he would get down on his knees and let me place my hand on his head and pray against his anxiety, which I did. He left, thanked me and left. And uh, that was it. 18 months later, in the summer, it was in July I get an email from this guy out of nowhere. Dr. Moreland, you're not going to remember me. Well, I, I did remember him, but he told me oh, I was the guy you came in and so on. He said, I've been wanting to tell you something for 18 months, but I, I was embarrassed. When you got me on my knees and asked me to, to close my eyes and you prayed for me, I began to feel presences move into the room. And I opened my eyes and I saw three angels standing around you while you were praying for me. Well, I emailed him back and I said, do you know anything about my history in this area? And he said, I'm sorry, I don't know quite what you're talking. He had no clue that this had ever happened. And then there's one final story that is just a clincher. In 2018, I was speaking at an apologetics conference in Portland, Oregon. And I took one of my buddies from church with me. He went up there. He's about my age. And after I spoke on Saturday morning, there were about 400 people at the conference. We had a break. And so I went out and sat at our book table. And there were several other book tables in the foyer. And my buddy was right next to me. And the two women who were administrators of the the conference I know that I've known them for 15 years. Megan and Megan, Megan Clark and and another Megan, uh, were sitting right there taking sales. Well, this this 40 something woman makes a beeline across the foyer to me, and and she says, "Dr. Moreland, do you have a second? I said, "Yes, ma'am." And he, she said, "Well." All my life, I've been a Jewish atheist, but a little over a year ago, I committed myself to Jesus, and I'm now a Messianic converted Jew. And and your writings have helped me strengthen my doubts and my faith. But she said, that's not why I came to talk to you. She She said, I hope you won't think poorly of me, but when you were speaking this morning, I could see angels, and I said, stop. I said, don't go any further, ma'am, please. I want you to wait. And I asked my friend Mark Stevens and the two Megans, I said, would you listen to what's going to follow here? So I had three eyewitnesses. And I said, if you don't mind, ma'am, I want to ask you questions and then you can continue. All right. And I said, did you see angels? And She said, yes, I did. Do you have any idea how many there were? Did you count them or not? She said, no, no, there were three. I said, okay, where? do you know where, know where they were positioned? Were they hovering? Were they down on the floor below the stage? Or, or where were they? And she said, they were, they were standing around you. There were two on either one on either side and, and another one behind you. Okay, one final question. Do you recall anything about their sizes? She says, oh, my gosh, the one behind you was a big, tall dude. And the ones on either side were shorter. And, and, and I have eyewitnesses that her I, I'd never met this woman in my life. She had no information about anything that had ever happened to me because she was a, basically a new believer. This was the first time she'd ever heard me talk. So I've had all of these different people tell me they saw the same thing. And if you ask me, I'll close with this, that would pass muster in a court of law. Yeah. If you had independent witnesses have that much agreement without knowing each other.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> that's amazing. I love that story. And and again, JP gets into, in this book, he gets into hearing from God, hearing from the Lord and and he gets into near death experiences, which are also really fascinating and, and amazing. Yes. yes. Uh, I think when, when I was in your class, we read a book on near death experiences. Yes. I forgot, I forgot who wrote that, but, um, but guys, I highly recommend this book. JP's book. It's called a simple guide to experience miracles. We'll have the link below. And not only if you're a Christian, it will encourage your faith so much, but, Get and also buy one for your atheist or agnostic friends because they will convert to Christianity and yeah. your, in your money. You, there's a money back guarantee on that. So,
1: <laughs> so yeah, JB, thank you for volunteering to pay for all those. Yeah. Interests.
0: Exactly. So Jamie, thank you so much for being on the show and you're just such an amazing uh, witness to Christ. And I love, and just, uh, you know, your whole, your yeah. whole life has been just a witness to Christ. So thank well, you.
1: I love you, buddy, and uh, and I'm just so proud of you. And it's really a privilege to have had you as a student and now to have you as a friend. And I'd love to come back on your show and uh, and visit again. You take care of yourself.
0: All right. Thank you, JP. Okay, buddy. God bless. Talk to you soon. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com.